Welcome to another recording of the game of crowdfunding. Today, this is this is going to be interesting. I've got somebody in the room with me that doesn't usually participate in this. Who are you, sir? I don't know what you're talking about. All right, yeah, that's the Canadian. Canadians come over for uh, the game of crowdfunding. Why? Well, I'll tell you here in a second. Actually, uh, who do we have on Skype today? My name is David Boostrom, and I'm the creator, one of the two creators of Heroes of Metro City, a board game. And that right there is why Jordan is in the room. You've probably heard us talk about Heroes of Metro City. It's definitely a game that we're kind of looking forward to. We talked about it while it was on Kickstarter and uh, through the entire project, and now we're anxiously awaiting our chance to play it, and it better be good, David. Yeah, I know. And a long wait. But uh, you know what? We're going to be at uh, Gen Con with our first few copies that James, my co-creator, and I have decided to ship some early ones in so that we can do demos at the event. And then um, it'll be in store shelves in mid to late September. So we're really excited about it. We're pushing some copies out now to, to reviewers. And so I don't know. I don't know if you guys double as reviewers. Maybe that's how you guys score your copy. Well, we are reviewers. We do reviews on the podcast proper, as I like to call it. Okay. But I am a backer as well. That's right. That's right. And I have and- sent you an email, <laughs> which I hope has been thoroughly recorded. No, no. I have I have my minions read those. <laughs> oh, sweet. We, why don't you get us minions? Because cats are lazy. That's, that's all I can provide. <laughs> and then the whole we record with dogs oh. around, and yeah, it doesn't work out real well. All right, David, are you ready for the lightning round? I, I'm all set, I think. All right. I didn't study, so hopefully I know the answers already. Oh, we don't like people that study because we don't either. <laughs> I, bar- I barely know the questions, and I came up with them. <laughs> Great. Besides uh, creating games, if there is a besides, uh, you'll have to let us know. But what do you do professionally, sir? I am what they call an affiliate marketing manager, which is a, a bunch of words that basically say that I am responsible for some of the spam email that you get and some of the banners that you see on websites that you ignore. So, like... Uh, I provide a lot of traffic for, for a software company that makes utility software. I will confirm that those were a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> the, I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll let me relate them to, to the Kickstarter project. How we do? How about we do that? Um, I have a marketing background and I have a graphic design background. And so both of those are used in the job that I do during my day, 40 hours a week or whatever. But they're really useful when you decide to take on a creative project that has a deceptively large amount of required business sense and life experiences to be able to apply to it. You know, I wished that Kickstarter existed 15 years ago when I had more free time, (laughs) but I would have been woefully unprepared for so many of the things that seem like small problems, like accounting, (laughs) shipping uh, products to foreign lands, uh, just just a, a million things just that are about the logistics of, of basically doing some, everything past the idea. I would have been way underprepared for that back in when I first graduated college. And now I'm only mostly unprepared. Uh, <laughs> actually, we, we had a really great time doing this project, uh, uh, this project, and we're hoping to do more of them on Kickstarter um, with a lot of a lot of lessons learned. I will go on record as saying my uh, self 15 years ago and uh, my professional wallet at that time probably is glad that Kickstarter did not exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I have spent more money on games in the last six months than I have, I think, in my life leading up to the last six months. 
And, and part of that is Kickstarter and part of that is spending so much time in game stores running demos and, and talking about games with other, other game designers and so forth that you just end up going, oh, there's a game that does that already. Well, then I'm going to put my money down on the table right now and buy it. <laughs> and there's so many great, uh, we, we have a hobby that's filled with creative people. That's one of the reasons I think our product was, was, our project was successful because it is sort of a celebration of role playing elements, which is in itself a celebration of your, um, imagination. And so when you have those kinds of people as your backers, they naturally are all going to be people who are like, well, if these schmucks can do it, we could do it. And the answer is, yes, you could. <laughs> you could do it. What makes you a geek, sir? Obviously, you're a tabletop gamer, but uh, anything oh, else? Oh, my God. I think I'd have I think it'd be more easy to qualify for why I'm not a geek. I play uh, Pathfinder twice weekly. I play uh, in a weekly D&D session that's now become a Shadowrun session, which will soon become an Edge of the Empire Star Wars role-playing game session once a week. I own a PS3 uh, Wii and a Xbox 360, so I'm a big video gamer, but I actually spend a lot more time on my computer playing PC games over Steam. I was the guy who was always drawing in notebooks and writing short stories in notebooks during high school and have never stopped being the person who's sort of inventing the what I think could be the idea that everybody loves. And now I'm finally getting the chance to to see if I can prove myself right. Uh, one of the things we like to point out is that uh, you can geek out about anything. So do you have something that you're passionate about that that you're, you consider yourself a geek about, but other people might not consider geek-related? But might not consider geek-related? Right. Oh, uh, yeah, unusual geekery. That's interesting. I thrill at a spreadsheet when it perfectly calculates like reports in exactly the way I wanted it to. And I'm not very good at it. Like I'm not very, I'm not, I'm not really good at, at spreadsheets. I'm, I'm mediocre. But when it looks, I like to make them look nice as a, as a graphic designer. I like to make a, a nice looking spreadsheet. But whenever they, whenever it adds up, that's when I, when I geek out a little bit because I think I managed to. It's like getting an A in math class, something I haven't done since uh, junior high. <laughs> right. So, David, Heroes of Metro City. Why don't you give us uh, your uh, high level pitch for that? Sure. It is a. Superpowered deck building game, which I, I can't say like superhero in any of my documentation because Marvel and yeah. DC actually own that term. They have the copyright on that term, which is the biggest injustice to, I guess, comics and writers and TV show people of all time. So mine's, I, I say it's a superpowered game. And, uh, in this game, you get to, instead of being, um, one of the many licensed characters that we all know and love from the movies or our, our favorite comic books, you're instead making your own hero. Naming them, picking the powers, and then doing battle against an arch enemy, and doing all that through cards. And is this uh, co-op, competitive? It's what we like to call semi-cooperative. It is mostly cooperative in that the game is playing against you. You can lose against the arch enemy and his minions as they destroy the city. The city is represented by cards that you're trying to buy, so there's sort of a race against time that between you buying them and the bad guys blowing up the cards, there's going to be a time element where you could lose. But if you win, you win as collectively as a group. But the but the hero that strikes the final blow on the arch enemy wins just a little bit more. All right. <laughs> I sometimes like to equate that to Avengers. I don't want to spoil Avengers for anybody, but if you're listening to this podcast and haven't watched the Avengers movie, I think you probably deserve to have it spoiled for you. Um, that's just my personal opinion. But um, you you are a fool and need to stop this podcast um, to the deference of my hosts. Watch the movie and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. Or um, or keep listening. <laughs> and then go watch the movie. I'm just saying. Let's but the, but priorities. The, but the end of it, for those of you who have seen it, without without doing too much spoiling here, 
all of the Avengers win. I don't think that's the spoiler. But uh, Hulk wins just a little bit more. <laughs> and I think that's what we're going for in this game is that you want to be you want to be part of the Avengers, but you also want to be the Hulk. Jordan, you've uh, been waiting for this game as well. Have uh, any questions come to your mind while we've been waiting to, to get the play in? Well, the one thing, and I, I really hate to kind of correct the designer as you're here, but Uh-oh. <laughs> it's Matrocity. Yeah, I know. I know. You know what? You know what's funny about that is we. We uh, selected Metro City really early on in the process. We were like, what generic name for a superhero-sounding city is <laughs> is like prevalent in, in like fan fiction and other places but hasn't been used in a really big in a really big way? We're like, ah, Metro City, we'll do, we'll do that. So we did that, and then, of course, about the day after, like the day after the Kickstarter completed, one of my friends and one of the donors said kept saying metrocity and i thought he was just being sarcastic and then i realized i actually knew what he was talking about <laughs> and remembered that uh i believe it's is it what's the name of that movie it's mine something it's as the nine-year-old behind me just yelled out <laughs> megamind megamind yes <laughs> yeah megamind they they say metrocity in it and ever since then i do not fault anyone for pronouncing that way i think it's fantastic you have no idea how many times that gets tossed at me and i'm like and i have to pause i'm like what are you talking about and then, I, <laughs> and then I, I it takes me a minute here and on i think it's happened to us a couple times on facebook right when i posted yeah. about, about it so it's, no no it's metrocity i'm like what what are you what are you talking about and it takes me a minute you know, so, I, you know what i i really love that comparison because i think I, I don't know why i feel this way i don't i don't know maybe i don't have the justification for this but i i feel like just changing the pronunciation is sort of in the spirit of what the game is and that is you kind of have it your own way and so, like the whole, like even our our characters on the front of the box have question marks where their where their superhero symbols should be because we're asking you to fill in that that space with whatever your idea is. So, like even we we were trying to figure out how do you say maybe say heroes of the city, but that seems too too generic, like or, or like maybe like unspecific, or it didn't communicate enough of this idea that it's like a metropolis or a Gotham or or a or even New York or something like that. That would immediately convey what we were trying to say about about that it is superheroes, and then probably City of Heroes would have sued you into non-existence. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> heroes of the city, a little too close. Exactly. <laughs> so we have a com- uh, a superhero TM based game here. I take it at least from your side of the conversation, you're a comic fan of some sort. Are both of you? Yeah, I think I think it would be more fair to to be to be. Like if I was in in front of a priest having answering this question, my answer would be that I was always a wannabe comic book collector, and I was a, always a comic book reader, and I'm a fan of every single. I, I I go to see every single comic book movie, but I don't own a collection of comics, and 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 the reason I I specify that difference is is because I think there's a lot of people with a lot more um, street cred maybe to the to the comics universe, but I kind of feel like superheroes transcend the comic medium, and they're now a part of of all pop culture. That they're part of games, they're part of um, video games, they're part of television and movies and so forth. So now, so now superheroes can can be something that isn't just in still, but it's, it could be in motion or it can be in your mind. So I, I really like that. It really does have its roots roots in comics. The game does for obvious reasons because it's the genesis of the superhero. But I am a guy who's more. I, I got a deep background in the in film uh, as far as as far as being a fan. I want to make a cinematic game. I guess is probably another way of saying it. Can you give us a little uh, a little taste of what you've included in the game that allows people to kind of feel like they are building their heroes. Yeah, you bet. So 
within the box, when you, if you were to open up the box right now, you would pull out four player boards that you get to play your cards onto. And each one of those is, um, kind of a, like the, the starting place for where you would set cards that, uh, that are called energy sources, which would be things like technological marvel or uncanny mutation or, uh, strange alien artifact. They're sort of common origins for the, for where, uh, superhero's powers come from. And from that power, those cards actually provide the energy to fuel your superpowers, such as teleportation, flight, super speed, even in a, a vehicle or a powered suit or something along those lines, to where the creation between, say, a card called Technological Marvel and um, Energy Blast would be, oh, okay, well, that's like you know Iron Man or one of these other people who technologically um, allows themselves to shoot a fiery blast from their hands. Whereas if someone else played a strange alien artifact and did an, uh, did an energy blast, you would say maybe that's more closer to something like a green lantern where it's, it's coming from this, um, ring from space. So the combinations are also vague, vague enough to allow, they're specific enough so you guys, you get the feeling of, oh, okay, I know how that works. Or I, that, that's more like the character I've always kind of sketched in my little personal sketchbook and now I can play it in this game. And it's also, I guess, so we try to, the whole, the whole process is trying to tell a story about this character as you go. And so, um, so while some people might have like a, like an idea already sprung to mind before they open up the box, other people will not really know what they want to make yet until the idea options are presented in front of them. And in both cases, you're going to be able to do, you're going to be able to satisfy both of those people. People come to the table with something prepared and people who don't. There's 20 powers in the game, uh, that are available in the core box of which you only play with eight and you choose them randomly unless you don't want to, unless you want to pick them out. And so each game is going to be randomly set up, and then you're going to have a random assortment of arch enemies you're going to play against, who then has a random assortment of both villains and henchmen who work underneath him to help advance his plot to destroy Metro City. So with those thousands of combinations, you'll have a unique game experience every time you play. And then uh, one other thing as far as the customization part goes, and I know uh, you guys ended up having to do a lot of explaining and or oh. defending <laughs> at times yeah. on this. Yeah. But the ability that are the uh, part of the gameplay where you have to create your name, mm-hmm. uh, you want to tell us why you guys yeah. went that route? Yeah. So, so when you play on your little player board that I was describing before, one of the things we did was we made it a, a dry erase surface and include a dry erase marker in the box. And uh, you're allowed to name the character at the beginning of the game after you've selected one or two powers uh, to go with your basic set of cards that are just origin story cards that are sort of uh, the background of your character. And then the spark of energy cards, which are your basic energy fueling points. Then you pick a couple of powers to go with that, and you have sort of the a fledgling superhero. And then we encourage you to name your superhero based usually on the choices you made or or anything that you like. We've had it, people name themselves everything from silly stuff to very serious uh, serious choices, uh, adult content, and even use their D and D character names, which which kind of surprised me the first time somebody did it. And I thought I thought, well, that's an unusual thing. No one's no one's ever going to do that again. And then we just had demo after demo where people were using their D&D characters. So uh, I I support all of those choices because um, every time we had someone sit down and wasn't sure what they were getting ready to play, wasn't really sure you know, how long it was going to take to learn or whatever, we got immediate buy-in from everybody because of that, or from I would just say from 95% of people, because they got to decide maybe the most important part of a superhero, which is what you're, everyone's going to call them. And, and even people don't think that's going to be important, when they see somebody else write something silly, like one of my favorite choices from a from one of our donors was um, they called their hero the ex-wife, who had who had chosen life-draining touches as her main power, and that just that cracked me up. And the rest of the people who were who, when someone at the table makes that decision, all of a sudden you see a mad rush for everybody else to erase their names, 
and come up with something. They're like, oh, okay, now it's serious. Now it's almost competitive joke making. And that's how they'll generally build their characters. So we have, we have that name. Now, the controversy you, you mentioned was that we have a couple of cards in the game, which actually provide um, benefits to characters that contain, say, a certain keyword. So it was like in the case of uh, Technological Marvel, you'll get a bonus when you use that card if your name contains the name of any metal, steel or iron or something along those lines in the name. It's not a requirement. It's just an opportunity to maybe maybe get something extra. And we had some people who felt like they were maybe being more restricted by, by the name content that way. But many, many more people just end up coming up with – it helps spa, uh, spark their creativity, which was – which was the point in the first place. Some people are just absolutely paralyzed by a blank page or even a blank space to put a made-up name, and some people are, will, sell, will confess that they're not as creative as other people. But if you have a card that says, you know, use the name of a metal, and then you have, you've picked a power like Energy Blast, you might call yourself a Steel Lightning or something like that, just because those are two things that you already had made a choice about. And, and off you are to the races, you're all set to go, and maybe it isn't as important to you to pick the name, you just want to play the game. So we wanted to be able to, again, make this a game for, for anybody who wants to make a superhero. And so you said there's uh, 20 powers in the core box, but you're only yeah, going to use eight of those. That's right. And there's okay. six different energy sources, and you use two of those. Mm-hmm. There are 10 arch enemies. You use one of those. There are another 10 villains and another six uh, minions, all of which have multiple. So there's a big army of minions that are everything from mafia hitmen to gangland thugs. So just lots of, lots of different options and then everything from monsters to forces of nature that you'll have to battle against. Now, uh, a lot of times I like to kind of talk about, uh, the design process with designers. Sure. So, uh, can you take me back to, let's say, uh, you guys, uh, how long have you known your co-creator? I guess let's start there. Uh, he and I have been friends since college. So, um, since, since I think his freshman year, which has been my, about my junior year, I think it's been about, my God, I think it's been, 16 years, something like that now. He and I have known each other for a long time and been, been, um, we, we got together, um, to play board games. So the fact that we later than made one was not, ever, it wasn't ever a plan or anything we ever talked about before Kickstarter. But I think we'd always been people who thought that the only barrier to, to, for, uh, to prevent us from ever doing something creative like that was having to go through a typical publishing process. And Kickstarter sort of removed that barricade from keeping us from getting into the system. What's your partner's name again? James. James. I want to make sure we give him a little love. Yeah. Yeah. His <laughs> name is James Waller and, and he's, um, he handles more of the business side of things and communicating with customers. And he would, but, but not to say that he also took a game that was broken when I brought it, brought my initial couple of ideas to him. We both settled on a superhero, um, deck builder as the kind of the initial idea. And then I went and, and started putting something together as a sort of, let me make something even if it's terrible and I'll bring it back and then you tell me what you love about it and what you hate about it and then we'll work on it. And that's what we did. I, I, I brought to him what I thought was some kernels of good ideas, but it was a game that flat out just didn't work. You couldn't win, uh, at the game and that's probably bad. <laughs> so, so when, when I couldn't, when I couldn't win and I couldn't figure out how to, how to make it so players could win, I brought it to him and he unbroke it for me and we sailed from there. I don't know. Not not winning works for me every game night. Uh, <laughs> it's rare that I'm getting the gold star. So, <laughs> all right. So, was that kind of your process up until you had something that you felt was polished? Like you would walk off with it, tinker with it for a while. Was there anybody else involved in it? Like, did you say, okay, well, you look at this before you brought it back to James, or was that what you did? 
we were pretty protective of the idea before we felt like it accurately represented our best efforts. We started playtesting it pretty heavily after both of us kind of said, okay, not only is this working now, because we went, went, took it from broke to not broken, but once we were smiling while we were playing it and like having a good time, which is a special moment in a game designer's life, I can tell you, because we've, we have probably two dozen game ideas at different levels of development and not all of them are fun. And so, so that like, and some of them start off as fun, but then as we, we, we kind of like ingest, you know, inject more rules into it or go, oh, well, this has to be more fair. This has to be more like this or it has to be more like that. And as you make adjustments, all of a sudden you find out that you're, you've maybe, maybe got a perfect mechanical game, a beauty, a beauty of mechanics that nobody wants to play. And so like somebody the, will play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The two of us will. And then, and then the, we've yeah, got some, we've got some names. If you want some contacts <laughs> for those type of games, I, I think, I think, I think the game stores are probably full of pro, of products that no one will buy um, as it is. I think, I think it's probably up to I, I, the challenge I, I present for myself and that I, I hope that all of the designers do, which is that you don't just make something that's, that's fun, uh, that that's like thematically uh, strong, but it's also mechanically strong. But then, also, the fun element has to rule over everything else. There are some games that are frankly unfair that I love to play. There are some games that have totally broken mechanics, and I don't mind. I would say that that's the exception more than it's the rule. I, I, I'm a big fan of very strong mechanical strategy games. I'm a very competitive game player. Uh, I hope that our game ha- has a lot of that strength because I think that's what makes a game stand the test of time after the first couple of plays. But you won't ever even play it that long if it wasn't fun the first time. So that's, that's sort of like our, our big thing was how do we, how do we even win you over when you open the box? And then how do we win you over in that first gameplay? And then how do we win you over on subsequent gameplays? And that, those are maybe the most important questions to ask yourself and answer honestly during the creation process. Cause even if you want something to be fantastic, it doesn't make it fantastic. You, you have to kind of stick it in front of people. And the, if it's nagging at the back of your mind, like any th- problem we had where it was like, well, this bothers me a little bit, but not that much. You probably ought to let it bother you more because it's going to, for somebody, it's going to, it's going to destroy their enjoyment of it or on expansions or bigger ideas. When you try to broaden the game appeal, it'll, it'll small problems become big problems. But having said that, you can't satisfy everybody. At the end of the day, you have to just make a game that you would love to play over and over again. And if you do that, then you're probably on the right track. Here's a question I got for you that I, I don't think I've asked in a while. Was there something in those early days while you were still trying to get it to the point where you would let other people see it? Was there something that you really thought at the time was good to have in the game that you ended up deciding that you had to rip out? Yeah. Um, boy, a, a, a few things, I guess. I really thought that it was a great idea to, uh, like, uh, I'll give you an example. The point at which the game was broken was that I didn't have those player boards. The player boards were sort of an invention that made the game work. And prior to that, I had had it as more of, um, imagine Magic the Gathering if you couldn't keep the lands on the table and you had to put them back in your deck and shuffle them. So you had to draw the lands in order to, order to play the spells. That was basically what I had sort of tried to do with the game the first time around. And understandably, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't do enough on your turn to be able to get things to happen without having like a 12 card hand size. And so I, I had this, I had this kind of, what I felt was a really noble sort of enterprise where I was like, well, what if the game system were so, so slick and so cool that I could play the source of, of power followed up by the power itself. And then all the cards went away and you could, you could bring them back out again. Like some of, like some other deck builders do. 
And I found out that not only did that not work, but it also was less... When we solved it with the player board, I would say that it became more kind of a statement of what you had made as a player, what you'd created. Because some of your cards remain out in play after, after each turn. You sort of get the, get a consistency of, of, uh, of how the character then plays as you progress. And so it was sort of a, um, it sort of gave you an opportunity to continue to enjoy something consistent from turn to turn. Uh, that's what I would think was the biggest thing that changed. And then the other stuff was just constant, constant, like name changes, color changes to backgrounds. I, I, there's probably 17 iterations of the cards before we ended up with what we have. And like, I've gotten, I think three emails in the last three weeks from Kickstarter project developers, people who are getting ready to put a game out who are asking me what program I use to design our cards. Meaning that they're thinking they're hoping that there's like a, <laughs> they, a program you just plug in all the information and it'll, it'll spit out a great design. And, and I was like, and I was like, and there are some programs that can do something that's close to that where you could like design your own Magic the Gathering cards or something like that. Yeah. And, 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 but the, but the answer for them is the same as the answer for anybody else who might ask, which is ultimately if you're trying to make a, you know, like fit your idea into a preset system of any kind, you're going to get a less than perfect solution. You're going to end up making the kind of sacrifices that you have seen in other people's games. And like, we don't, I don't think anybody wants to judge a game the moment they open a box or the moment they see a box. I but do that on a regular basis. Just oh, so yeah. You know. yeah. Sometimes well, okay. I don't even get the box open. And, yeah, and, exactly. and he, he's already told me that we're not playing it. <laughs> I've, I've been, uh, I'll tell you what, I resisted Settlers of Catan for so long because of the box. Good man. And I resisted Settlers of Catan further after I saw it opened up and people explained that it was a game about farming. And, and the first time I played it, I was, I was, immediately sold and I was angry with myself because I wanted to continue hating the look of the game. And how do you feel um, about Galaxy Trucker? Shut it. I that's a what a great game, right? Oh my god. What what a lot of fun. It is an excellent I, game, yeah. Jordan will be conducting the rest of this interview. <laughs> what a, what a, what a fantastic game it is. I mean, I've not played it yet with three of my most competitive friends, but I imagine that would would hurt some of my fun of it only because you'd be able to reduce in a very short period of time what pieces you need to grab and who got luckier in finding them first. Uh, and then and then you'd have to get really, uh, with my group anyway, because we're all very competitive pe- people, we'd probably really have to slap people's hands on the rules of, of taking a tile and then bringing it over to your ship area before you look at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then... And then, you know, and then getting really specific about where they can place it when they're done with it so that it's equally available to everybody. Like, we would get that technical about it because that's how bad we get in that kind of group. But when I play with my wife and, and the kids, we have a blast. Like, it, it is, is, is a go-to game. And, uh, but I think you were alluding to that you didn't think that it was as attractive as you'd like it to be. Uh, no, it's. No, uh, he was just doing that <laughs> to dig at me. There's, oh, uh, there's an no. ongoing joke, um, okay. with Jeff because he, very much dislikes Catan and absolutely hates Galaxy Trucker. So, do you, do you like Carcassonne? I do. Okay, so what do you think separates? I'm, I'm, I'm going to do an interview. What do you think separates? Hey, now Galaxy we just Trucker did that. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to ask questions. It's our turn. No, what was that now? What do, what, what what do you like about? Uh, I think there's a similarity between Carcassonne and Galaxy Trucker. Do you, or do you think that no, they're very different? Very different. Extremely what, different. What do you like what about the hell's one wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you on this show? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me ask you a different question. My, I, I, no, my, you're done. 
by, by starting off by starting off with my favorite game of all time is apples to apples, and the reason is because it takes it, it takes one minute to teach people. It is good with any group of three or larger, and I can have a person who's eight years old in the room with a person who's eighty years old in the room, and everybody's laughing by, by the time the game is done, and nobody cares who wins uh, at the table, and it and that is just what a fantastic what a fantastic uh, game design. I really like that. And then on a complete opposite end, I love Dominion because I think Dominion is one of the best examples of pure strategy. That the only way you could get more strategy than Dominion, in my opinion, is to play chess. So I really, I really like games on opposite ends of that of that design spectrum. So I love a lot of different kind of games. I own, I don't know, God, I I own I own enough games that if the shelf were to fall over, I would die <laughs> from the weight of the games crushing me. What 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 is your favorite game? I guess I would say is it is it uh, is it Carcassonne? No, um, <laughs> I see. I don't do favor. I don't do favorites really well. If I was coming over there and we weren't going to play Heroes of Metro City, because obviously that would be the choice. Well, obviously, if that wasn't going to be the choice, what was, what's your first go-to game that I probably haven't played? How about we do it that way? Again, I don't. I, whatever, you're whatever you're you wanted to pull off the shelf. Oh, okay, because <laughs> I teach a well, lot of games. Sure. <laughs> well, and I've I've said I'll I'll play those. I mean, I will never pick them. Catan is a hard sell for me these days. But I have said recently that if uh, our friend Cyrus over at Father Geek, if he wants to sit down sometime and we keep it to under four or four players or under, I try it again. Because mm-hmm. the one thing for me is I've always played it at five or six. Right, right. And basically, I get to a point in that game where I just kind of go. Who's winning, and what can I do to help you so this is over? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not a, that's not a great place to be. I, I have I'm looking at um, uh, Agricola, or as I called it before, and then was informed I was pronouncing it incorrectly. I I pronounce it Agricola, and I was told that it's Agricola. What do you, you guys have an opinion on that? We're both on opposite ends of the neutral. Okay, <laughs> I'm neutral negative, and Jordan's neutral positive right now. Does that mean it's one of those pronunciations or a different one that I don't know about, like a third option? No, no, that's just the gameplay. The game itself, yeah. yeah. That, oh, on that, whether it's good. Oh, right. okay. I thought I was talking about pronunciation. Oh, Agricola. Agricola. That's uh, okay. All right. So I was wrong the first time around. I was I was bastardizing it with uh, American English. Agricola. <laughs> so so I'm a big fan of that game, and I, and I'm a fan of Euro games like it. I, the only my only request of Europe, if I can just give a shout out to Europe real quick. Hey Europe, can what you What up make, Europe? Yeah, hey Europe, can you make keep on making these awesome games but make them not be about farming? I, that's all I'm asking. I'm asking it to be about something awesome. Like what if you could get like the level of mechanics you see in say a Puerto Rico but it was with giant dinosaurs and robots like in Pacific Rim. Can we get that? That's the game I want. Well, there is a game coming out, I believe at Essen with a okay. North American release shortly thereafter that was, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but I believe it was designed by the guy that did Agricola, and it's glass-making rather than yes, farming. Yes, <laughs> I've heard about that one. It's supposed to be really good, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I read, I, I've read a couple of reviews on that with people who are like almost angry that it's good. <laughs> now, before you get to the point where you think I actually don't like Euros, since everything we've talked about so far has uh-huh. been somewhat negative, Puerto Rico, absolutely love it. Yeah, Power Grid, love it. I do like my share of Euros, and there is probably no rhyme or reason to, well, at least it doesn't seem like it on the outside to yeah. why one clicks with me over another. But yeah, we play our fair share of Euros as well, and, and there's quite a few that I actually do enjoy. 
in, in, in my little tinkering design shop of my mind, I am in the process of trying to develop a worker placement game worthy of, uh, of the same kind of accolades as a, as a, as a Puerto Rico or something along those lines. Cause I think I really like Puerto Rico's design and I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that, but I'm, but I'm trying to do it within uh, a, a thematic choice that is accessible by the gaming community at large. That's, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there is a gaming community that is really trying to go like, they're like, finally glass making game is here. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what people have been waiting for. I don't want to discourage those people from their big win that they're going to get this year. But I, I, but in my opinion, it was like, it's like, well, why can't I have like, why does it seem like I never have my theme and my mechanical awesomeness in one game? So everything that I, that I try to do is going to be not just, it's going to be games I want to play, which is, which is that strength of, of uh, strategic playing and, and, uh, and thematic strength so that you're always on every turn, not trying to remember what the game is about. Yeah. That's what, that's the way I feel when I play Dominion. I own all, every card that Dominion has ever made. And yet my number one complaint always has been that the theme is Virtually absent, uh, with the exception of uh, the Dark Ages expansion, was pretty good. Oh, Dark Dark Ages was awesome. Have you got guilds? Yep. How how is that? I haven't played that yet. Guilds is is not as strong a personality as Dark Ages, Uh, and it has like I read some place that it might be their last expansion, but I I just have a hard time imagining that. The only reason I can think that they would do that is for the sake for the benefit of my arms, uh, (laughs) carrying the boxes. Uh, But I don't think that they care about that, or they just stopped three boxes ago. Uh, <laughs> and they, and, and I know Kickstarter projects love that they keep putting up boxes because there's a Kickstarter project now every six months that's designed to hold all of your cards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I look at those very closely. And if it weren't for like the cost of $250 for a giant wood like coffin to keep them all in, I would probably already gotten on board. But yeah, so I, I love Guilds. Uh, it's, it's good. It's a small set. It's a, you know, it's one of those half size sets like Alchemy or whatever. Um, it has some neat mechanics I haven't seen elsewhere before. I won't spoil it for you. Because part of my enjoyment is is being pure about the randomness. Have you? I'm assuming you guys play with like one of the apps to randomly select your cards. Uh, no, we just keep all the randomizers in a big stack and and. Just, oh my god! You know, how do you shuffle? <laughs> in chunks. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Wow, I, I already feel I already feel like I'm temp, uh, I'm testing people's patience when I pull out nine boxes to begin with. <laughs> so I try to speed along the process where I actually set everything up. Well, yeah, our core group is pretty much used to anything that's going to get pulled out in that relation or setup time, so we're yeah. good. We might change it up if we take – we attend bi-monthly game days yeah, and, of course, uh, conventions, local conventions and stuff. So there might be a little bit different, but, yeah, our core group, you pull out those nine boxes and we're just ready. I can honestly play that. There's a few games I can play back-to-back sessions of for hours. And, and lose track of time. And, that, and that's one of them. I haven't had as much success from other deck builders, and I've bought a lot of them. One of the reasons I picked it for Heroes of Metro City is because I think it's such a, an elegant mechanic to present, like, all of the game's resources, in this case, the different cards with the different abilities on them, as things that are immediately available to everyone. And that it's sort of, it's, it's great equalizer. One of my biggest beefs with, with superhero RPGs is they're so lopsided in power um, design and character building that almost all of them are broken before you, before you even build your first character. You just, I, I, I remember buying the Aberrant book. I don't know if you guys play RPGs, but. Oh yeah. There was a, there was a superhero RPG called Aberrant and I bought the leather bound book because it was so gorgeous and the, and the, and the way that they talked about the world was so great. And then, um, before I, I finished building my first character, put down the book and I never picked it up again. Okay. It was just woefully unbalanced. 
Um, and the, you had to be um, invulnerable in one of three different ways, or you got killed by any number of powers on the first round. So I was like, I was like, that, well, that seems a little bit like something that probably should have made it through initial design development phases or whatever. So have you tried like Mutants and Masterminds and stuff like that? Have you not? I own a copy of Mutants and Masterminds, but the problem there is I have yet to find a group to to, to also want to get on board with it yet. Okay. I I have let's see, Silver Age Sentinels. I've heard people talk nicely about Champions, but I haven't played it. I really I, enjoyed that back in the day. Yeah. I used to run a lot of one shots of mutants and masterminds at game days and stuff, so I, I I've enjoyed that one as well. I played a lot of um, the superhero Palladium game, Heroes Unlimited. With, yeah, yeah. Heroes. I, I used I used to run that all the time too. <laughs> now, now I'll tell you, I'll tell you, both of those were at, um, I played during a, a time in my life when it wouldn't have bothered me as much about the imbalance in the game in the in the in the power structure because we were. Uh, it was just a little. It was just a different time. It was a different time when I was uh, when I think I was more interested in the girl who was playing with us than the game, uh, <laughs> or some, you know, or or of just making this one character. I didn't care how he was compared to other people. But then later, I thought, well, I don't necessarily have to sacrifice balance for the sake of theme because some people are able to do it. So I should I should just demand more of my of my source books. So I was like, I wanted to have a game where I could make my own superhero, and the question was, what game mechanic or what structure could provide sort of an even character building concept to where one person who really loves Daredevil like I do could have a have a low power character like that and be playing with the same table with somebody whose favorite character is like Silver Surfer or someone who's ridiculously overpowered and and have them play at the same table and both of them having fun but neither one of them begrudging the choices of the other like everybody would be up in arms if you played the, those two characters I just described against each other and the low power character wins like nobody would accept that including me so the, so if you don't have them against each other, if you have them in a cooperative environment, then then you eliminate a lot of that. People are like, hey, yeah, I have your choice. You know, I'm I'm fine with that. But the and the other one, other other uh, kind of potential problem was was how do you make a cooperative game where you don't have the alpha player problem, which is that the person who's most knowledgeable of the game and most knowledgeable of like uh, tactics to win and is the most competitive directs everyone else's choices during that other player's turn. I have a lot of problem with that with like a pandemic or I've seen it played a couple of other competitive or uh, cooperative games where basically one or two players is are basically playing the game while two other people watch four player and, solo game. Yes, exactly, exactly. And the two people are either quietly okay with that which is which is great for those people or if you get in a group like mine then you just have arguments about what the most optimal choice is and then that and then then the like the fun ramps down really quick. Now I'm still a fan of pandemic just in case I get angry letters or something like that but I still like, but I have a problem in general with cooperative games just because I know that I'm terrible at that. I'm very bad at directing other people. And so in order to avoid my bad behavior, I try to avoid the game. So you mentioned Daredevil. You mentioned Silver Surfer. Yeah. Going back to the various RPGs and other games that I've played, I always have generally found more satisfaction in the non-IP infringing generic heroes. I've always enjoyed Palladium. I like Champions. Well, you're my target demo. <laughs> Much more. Well, you see, that's what I'm getting at. Much more than at the time, like I think TSR had like a Marvel and somebody else had a DC game. Yeah. And and I always got the feeling that they're they're not even asking you. They're telling you to play in their universe with their characters, even though sure. you, you can create your own. And on the card side, we've got Sentinels and we've got uh, the DC deck builder and we've got Legendary. Yep. And I much prefer... I, I own all of those as well, except I, I don't have Sentinels, but I have Marvel and DC. <sighs> and I much prefer Sentinels because while I love the IP of the two, the big two, 
Sentinels lets me play my own hero. So that's what I'm looking forward to, to in your game. Yeah. Did you ever start off with the thought that you were going to do, you know, wink and a nod, this is Wolverine, this is Batman, or was it always you wanted to be in the uh, the independent superhero game? Well, okay, so, so that's a fantastic question that I'm going to answer a couple of different ways. There is a very lengthy and conscious decision to uh, try and figure out how, like, like, like the question becomes, if you, if, if I was going to sit in front of you, my game and say, okay, you get to pick the 20 powers. And, and I'm really going to ask you this because I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how I came to it. I'm just curious how most people would come to it. If I said you have 20 spaces to make any powers you want, how would you come to the decision about which 20 you pick for your cards? Uh, very likely it would just come from, you know, the comics, you know, I'm a big comic reader and I think it would come mm-hmm. from my favorite characters that I followed. It would be magic. It would be claws. It would be a shield, you know, that, that kind of thing. Right. And, and, but what, what I'm saying is, and, and I, and I came to it the same way, but you are like me in that, uh, in that you want to make your own guy, right? Mm-hmm. You just don't necessarily want to have to have it prepackaged in the combination that some of the IP uh, guys like Marvel and DC have, have, have predetermined. Like you want Wolverine, but you want him to be able to fly. And you're, maybe you're not so concerned about, regenerative healing or maybe you want daredevil but you think it'd be really cool if he carried a gun but you know you have some sort of decision where you kind of differ maybe with the original concept or you just want to see how that idea would work if you change things up a little bit mm-hmm. batman if he didn't care about killing you know something like that and i think that's where i have started to realize that i didn't know i was doing this when i was designing the game i didn't realize that i was speaking mostly to an rpg audience but i think i've come come since that point and realized that most of the people who are really in love with our game come from an rpg background I, I believe my idea is broad enough for everybody. I think, it, and I certainly have a lot of people who are just board game players who've never touched an RPG. But the and maybe and in some ways, I think maybe this is uh, a game that allows people who are sort of interested in RPGs but don't want to read 500 pages to do it are going to be able to sit down, and play my game, learn it in, in in a short period of time, and then be able to have the whole RPG experience of creating your own character and then testing it out on bad guys in an hour, as opposed to having to dedicate you know a typical four to eight hour session like you do in, in role-playing games. And you have a definitive end point, too, which is not as uh, not in a, in a typical RPG. When we were picking the 20, the question wasn't, wasn't um, how do I figure out how to come up with powers? I, I have a spreadsheet that has, uh, I don't know, maybe more than 200. More than 200 different powers in it that we I had to narrow it down. And the question is, how, what do you leave out? Like, who are you pissing off? Right? So you're who, saying there's a few expansions along the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There, there definitely is room for it, but but that was that was the other other challenge, right? If this is the only Kickstarter I ever get to do, right? If it's the only one I ever get ever get to get to offer, if no one ever buys anything else, I wanted to have for my own sake and for the people for the for the people who are going to donate to be able to open up the box and go, oh wow, it's actually here. The guy I want to make is here and satisfy. I know I'm not going to get 100 percent of people, but maybe I could get 90. percent How do I do that? So. <laughs> The way that I actually, the way the way that I did that is kind of funny. Um, alluding back to an earlier comment about spreadsheets that I made, I uh, I opened up a, a spreadsheet and I put down every power I could think of down one way, and then I went the other direction, naming every hero I could think of from popular culture that has ever had a movie or a TV show or a cartoon, anything that's invaded enough of popular culture that you don't have to just be the one guy who's bought bought an issue of the comic. So, which is a surprisingly large amount of heroes. So you spread that across there and you figure out, okay, well, you know, like 19 of the, of this, of these hundred heroes all have super strength. So super strength is in the game. 
because now I now I've got 19 heroes covered by one card. And flight is an obvious choice. It, it covers a ton of heroes. And shooting some sort of an energy that covers a ton of heroes. And so so by by being able to to um, sort of generically approach it that way, it felt a little generic initially. And then I realized how specific it becomes as soon as you combine two things. So as soon as you have flight with teleportation or or with or say super speed with you know claws or whatever, you also have now a very specific choice that already lends itself to a name, to maybe a, a conceptual a, a concept of, of, of even what they're like or whatever that's just created almost instantly after you pick just a couple of powers. So that was kind of I wanted to, people to open up the box and go, oh look at this I could make if I want in other words people who love the IP IP uh, properties. You love a Superman or a Green Lantern or um, a Wonder Woman or a Flash or or um, Daredevil or Super. You know, if you want to, if you want to go about trying to recreate a, a hero, the chances are you'll be able to do that just with the twenty choices we have in the box, without any additional expansions or anything else that we did. And the expansions are designed to broaden it from a maybe more from a mechanical play, and then also be able to kind of fill in some fun spots that are maybe less chosen by by publications and by movies. But that broaden maybe maybe the ideas of where superheroes could go. Like uh, there's not a lot of superheroes like uh, who have time travel, but I'm bound and determined to make make a time travel power card show up in a future expansion. Well, then you also have to have a big chair. Uh, I you know what I don't know that reference, and I suspect that's because I only watched one season of Heroes. Ah, uh, no, it had nothing to do with Heroes. It's Metron. <laughs> okay. It's a, a DC character, Metron. Oh, I don't know that character. Okay, see there, there we go. See, I only know like Hero from. From the first season, or ah. from, from the television show Heroes. <laughs> I've tried to purge that from my memory. So. I, I stopped watching at the end of the first season, and it, um, <laughs> I really had high hopes for it, too. I really wanted it to be awesome. Um, a lot of my friends held out through about the middle of the second season. Did You, you didn't make it that far? No. Once, uh, in the middle of first and second season, when they announced one of the comic writers that I'm particularly not fond of, uh, was going to be taking over some of the writing for an arc. I I stopped. No, no, oh. I'm, I'm not even going to do. I'm not even going to start the second season. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know what's funny is you guys have this different opinion on Galaxy Trucker, and and for me, it's it's on TV shows with James. Like James and I are both like close friends who who, who like love almost all of the same stuff, and what is why making Heroes of Metro City was so easy for us to do because. We love all the same things about superheroes and, 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 and making our own characters and so forth. But like we have some violent disagreements about weird stuff. Like we were both huge fans of Lost the first few seasons. And then I sort of fell away. I like watched almost like a jilted lover feeling like I was being betrayed. <laughs> and he watched all the way through and, and puts it in his top, you know, five series of uh, television series of all time. So like, like just like it's important to have those differences. Do, and, do and you that, want to blow his like, mind? <laughs> okay. Tell them that. They, tell him and and I've proved this. They've all gone to hell. <laughs> there was a, there as opposed to heaven. Yes. <laughs> That's interesting. The smoke monster, you know, mm-hmm. Locke. The character Locke dies, mm-hmm. and but then he comes back. Spoilers. <laughs> he he comes back as the you know as the you know he's a construct of the island of the smoke monster yep. and is evil. And at the end, it's Locke that's leading them all through the church. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of mentally checked out the moment it became more supernatural rather than science fiction. Yeah, like I, like actually, I really, I, I confessed, I confessed to uh, to James. I said my my disappointment in the series is really that it didn't meet my expectations. Not that they didn't accomplish what they were trying to do, and so it's a little unfair. But I, I really wanted like an adult Lord of the Flies. 
I wanted I wanted two camps using like their wits and their organization uh, against each other, and I wanted the idea of a moral and productive society to be able to be to beat out like a consumptive and angry group of people. So as soon as the others were introduced, I was really excited. And then the smoke monster, I was like, I was okay with it until they changed it three times or four times or however many times they had to change it in order to suit the storyline. Uh, and, and, I was, and, and that was the one part that started to nag at me because I actually loved the idea when I thought it was a dinosaur mm. or some kind of creature on the island that is just like a prehistoric creature that lives there but can't survive somewhere else in the, in the world with humans. And so every time I thought there was going to be a scientific explanation behind all of it, I was so excited. And every time they ended up with science fiction, I was disappointed. And I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi fan. I just didn't, I just, and then when it went spiritual, it was like well, like another left turn for me. So I I I I kind of checked out by the by seventh season. So you're saying the time travel purgatory? We're not really <laughs> going to answer any questions for three seasons. Didn't do it for you? No, yeah. I felt it was. Like, I felt like I felt like um, they really knew what they had at the first season. And I'm a big fan of J.J. Abrams, by the way. I, I really like his work. Oh, I, you just lost your. <laughs> oh, I have to go now. I, I'm, I, I am. I'm, I'm how, how many different ways? You're just going to ping pong back and forth and <laughs> piss off both of us. <laughs> At some point, you're going to find that magic bullet that hits us both, aren't you? I, no, I will. I will say my biggest disappointment of like movie news that I've heard recently is that Neil Blomkamp, who did um, District 9, which I, I, I love, uh, but not everybody does. He did District 9. He just did this movie Elysium, which I'm dying to see this weekend. Uh, I hope it's good. He turned down an opportunity to do one of the Star Wars movies, and I'm so sad to hear that because I w- I can't even imagine what a Neil Blomkamp Star Wars would be like. It would have kicked ass. Yeah, a rated R Star Wars. That's what I would like to see. <laughs> he 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 wouldn't have to do anything except call Del Rey and license the Thrawn series and just put that down, <laughs> and it would have been awesome. See, I know where your non gaming geek uh, courts now. <laughs> I don't I don't have a clue what you just said. But I, but like I, cause I didn't I, I didn't read any like I'm and, and this is this is a confession I'm now going to make that I, I jokingly said to my friends I said I I said I'm more ready to admit that I am a D and D geek to a complete stranger than to tell them I'm a fan of Star Wars and 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 that didn't used to be the case when in the in the 80s war is a badge of honor I had every character memorized I I watched the movies a thousand times I couldn't have been a bigger Star Wars fan in fact I'm so jealous of 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 my nine year old now because. Because he gets to have Star Wars Legos, which would have made my head explode when I was a kid. <laughs> the combination of the two things I love mo- most in the universe. And, uh, but Star Wars, ever since the prequels, made me go underground and like not want to admit it. <laughs> here, here I am getting ready to play Edge of the Empire in a, in a, in a few weeks with my gaming group. And the real attraction to it is that they, that they don't really have much of the force in it. And, and I thought, what a great way to sort of, um, as, as much as much as I'm not sure how I feel about Fantasy Flight as an organization, and I just don't know. I just don't know what to, what to think about them. They make some quality products, and 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 the Edge of the Empire sort of said to me it says uh, that the Star Wars universe can stand on its own two legs if it doesn't have magic in it to hold it up. And and I kind of feel like the prequels failed because there was no Han Solo. That's really the way I feel about it. No Han Solo character. Nobody we can identify with. Nobody we can sort of pretend to want to be. And and yet I am so wrong about that because kids loved Jar Jar Binks and they loved uh, pretending to be Anakin so I don't maybe I don't have anything to say about no, it. No, you're right. K- kids did love that <laughs> until they realized that uh, until they develop a fully functioning brain. <laughs> right, right. Until they find out that they're wrong. Yeah. Right. It's, um, <laughs> they're wrong to like Jar Jar. It's, <laughs> he, he was honest 
<laughs> Lucas was lying but honest at the same time. He always said that he made the first three for as to be kids movies and he contradicts himself on a fairly regular basis he said he knew he was making a b movie he ne- said never <laughs> said he knew he was he was making a kids movie the, bi- but, the biggest lie of all time was the that they were brother and sister all along that's the that's the one i yeah. never never forgave i never <laughs> forgave that one just because it was so bold in the face nobody believes you not even you believe it yeah kind, kind of kind of thing but but and and yet i still love the products like can you like if he believes in the force do you, do you imagine that he felt a tremor in the force at the collective sigh of relief when he decided to sell the project, to sell the IP? <laughs> it, it, he he must have just had a, a wave of hatred wash over him and then relief and then hatred again once they got to the end of the article and it said WB. <laughs> what, what, what could, uh, Disney, I should say. <laughs> is, is there any better example of someone – being able to do more with less than George Lucas, like he, the more limited by budget he was, the better, the better he he made things. Like all of his great film projects were 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 at A New Hope and before, mm-hmm. and 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 like there's some people who just can't handle the extra money and what comes along with that, which is really the responsibility to make good on it. And I don't know, maybe having the merchandising rights changes your you know creative requirements for what the what the movie does. I have no idea. I don't think he, I. I I don't think he I don't think anybody could have planned for the action figure revolution that would happen with Star Wars. Yeah. I mean yeah, that but I mean once you know that that's that's in your pocket, oh, that's well, how yeah. yeah. I mean, how does that not affect your creative process even if you don't want it to? I mean, how do you like if you make Toy Story in your Pixar, how do you not realize you just sell a buttload of toys and think, well, maybe we'll have ten more characters in the next movie? You know what I mean? Like how do you how do you resist that temptation when you know it's putting putting braces on your kids? Well, they custom? don't because they have cars <laughs> and planes. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, although, although, although I'm the first. I, I've got to be honest. I think the best thing Disney ever did was buy Pixar because I think Pixar, like I think Pixar has an unbelievable team of writers. Like how uh, there's no bad movie in the bunch. I mean, you might not like some of their movies as much as other ones. Like people always. Uh, hate on Bugs Life and maybe Cars 2. But even Cars 2 is, at, at its worst is, is a okay kids movie. And, and a Bugs Life is actually pretty good, but I don't think people gave it a chance. I'm not sure why. But they, they're, like, Pixar's a good studio with, with good writing and, and, and speaks to kids. And, and the, the best part is it's not Smurfs. It's not one of these other movies that, that tortures parents for having children. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a movie you can actually enjoy. And that, that should be rewarded. <laughs> Oh, then games too. Board games are a perfect example. There are very, very few good board games that I can play with a nine-year-old boy where I'm having just as much fun as him and I don't think that I'm making a sacrifice by playing it. Like I'm doing him a favor. Like I, I hate, I, there are games that he'll point to on the shelf where I'll go, uh, okay. <laughs> all right. We'll play it because I know how much you love it or whatever. But I'm just, I am like every little thing that sort of bothered me in the beginning about its design weren't going to bother me as much because I was never intending to play the game again. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, that's fine. I mean, that's for whoever you are, you're sure there's people who like it. That's fine. I'll put it away and never, and forget about it. And then, and then he'll go, let's play that. And I'm like, Oh my God. I, all right. I have to go and, and deal with that again. So, I, so I, in a minute, I just need a drink. All right. <laughs> yeah. My, my, one of my items for my bucket list now is, is to make a, is to make a kid's game that, that is fun for as much fun for adults. And I've seen a few attempts at it. Most of the time they fail because they misjudge, their audience. Um, there's a trivia game out right now that's intended to for kids and for grown-ups to play side by side, so the kids get like questions that are 
like things that adults would know. So it makes it hard for kids. And then there are things that kids would know that are supposed to be hard for adults, so, which is a really clever idea. But, but like the sample questions in the back of the box, as I was standing in a target the other day, sample questions in the box are so specific to a very specific age group. You may as well be playing Trivial Pursuit and teaching the kids something. If he's going to miss the question or if you're going to miss the question, at least come away with some, some edification as opposed to knowing like what Bieber's single was or something like that. You know, I like, I like, there's got to be a better way to, to, to split this hair and, and, and satisfy two groups of people. Those damn Canadians. Yeah. Is that who did, is that who did it? No. No, just Bieber. Bieber. Well, they did it then. <laughs> Oh, the and, the and, person. I thought you meant the game. Yeah. yeah. And and the fact that That's I have awesome. a have a Canadian in the room here. So Yeah. Know. Well, uh, you know is are you Canadian born and US living or are you or are you living in in, the, in Canada? No, nah, I'm Canadian born and living in the US. So do you miss your health care? <laughs> on a daily basis <laughs> but not the taxes i mean that's that's the that's what i get from every every canadian i talk to it's like you only taking you only taking like 40 percent home or something like that something really small but at the same time like you have you don't really like have a need for much because it's a lot of it's there's so many services that are provided uh that, that would be accurate the tax brackets slide a lot more than down here but yeah and then I'll ask you the same thing I've asked my last two Canadian friends. Why is the queen on your money? <laughs> the bigger question is, why isn't the queen on yours? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Well, We're we, from the same commonwealth. We just left on better terms. We, you know, I, think the, I think the bigger question is, when did the two of you become friends? Uh, <laughs> when Star Wars started. Uh, that's funny. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I just learned recently that in, in the, in the educating oneself thing. I found out that the reason we spell things like favorite and color differently from, from England was not like some sort of accident where, or whatever, like, or it wasn't like some sort of like we just, after a while, we got lazy and started dropping letters out of the, out of the spelling. It was like people like, I don't know if it was Benjamin Franklin, but it was somebody in the founding fathers who was actively writing a new dictionary with new pronunciation guides directly to kind of like, Flip the bird at at England, going. Look how different we are. We we even our language is going to be different, and and like we so we made like a considerate effort to drop the wonderful accent that we now use for all of our smart people and villains in, <laughs> in, in, in movies. Well, David, we're uh, we're over the hour. I don't want to keep you too long unless you're uh, you're comfortable. No, I'm great. <laughs> and, and this, I, I will tell you, I tell you, I can, this is geekery stuff, man. I can talk about this all day. No. If, if, this, if I had to talk about my game the whole time, I'd feel like I was too self-serving. So I'm really <laughs> glad we got to go off on some tangents. Yeah, no, this is awesome. Actually, I might have to change the title. I don't know if this is technically the game of crowdfunding anymore. We this pretty much fits right into the podcast proper at this well, point. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let me give you. Let me give you like two or three things you can use so you can have the option. Okay? No, no. I just want to really blame Jordan because I'm no. just going to say it's because he was in the room and this is. He sidetracked you, us. Usually, I I can do this. You but. try to blame me. You should be thanking me. Anytime right. I'm involved in an interview, it is better. I will give two pieces of advice for wannabe Kickstarter people. I'm going to future that they're really quick to convey. One of them is you cannot do enough research ahead of time about what things will cost. And you must do multiple quotes on everything that you're going to potentially purchase. So you have to just constantly be honest with yourself about the numbers. And then even then, you probably want to build in a lot of extra money that you want to go for up front. Otherwise, you will, like so many successful projects, end up breaking even or owing money, including the, some of the more famous examples like Steve Jackson's Ogre game that raised nearly a million dollars. And now they're saying they'll be lucky if they break even. So like, like there's, there's a lot of people out there who are, who are extremely successful in the world of board game publishing 
who are still trying to figure out this this Kickstarter thing. And the biggest, the two biggest things you can do is be honest with about the numbers and and do all of the hard work and chase after people who owe you quotes and don't assume everyone's got it right. But the other other piece of it is to do as many rewards as you can that don't add physical items that may have to ship separately. Shipping cannot be underestimated on its scope and its cost and its logistical cost. And um, one of the best things that I have written is by uh, a guy here in St. Louis who also made a game called Viticulture. I'm going to go ahead and give him a free plug here. Jamie's been on the podcast. Okay, great. And Jamie (laughs) has a blog about like where how to succeed in kickstarting and I'm sure you've talked to him then about about this and and uh, so I will give him a, a basically a plug for a plug. He's giving away lots of stuff uh, lots of fantastic information on his blog even a way to maybe figure out how to do um international shipping at a cheaper price that I hope to be able to do for a future project. So he he's a guy who who has braved a lot of the same roads and been a little bit more successful at some of the shipping stuff. So I'll give him some some backup but I'll also say as a final thing is, is just, just never lie to yourself during the whole process. It's really easy to say something's good enough and it's harder to say something this needs more work. Um, especially if you want to get your Kickstarter project started or finished or something like that. I wouldn't say that that's where we, I think that's the one thing that we did, we did right is what we waited until it was good. We waited till it was correct before we put it forward to other people because nothing will tank a game faster than people like uh, either not being able to see the rules because you're trying to hide them. Or showing them the rules and them finding out that you haven't done the playtesting and you haven't done the done the hard work of making it fun and 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 um, uh, functional. So that's what I will send um, some people away with in case you want to put this in one category or the other. <laughs> well, here's a question for you, sure. only vaguely related to what you just said, sure. but but it popped into my head as you were talking. <laughs> so they're better, huh? Yes. <laughs> the interviews I'll, are better I, when you're here. I know how to answer this. They're real and they're spectacular. <laughs> There you go. That also goes back to an earlier conversation. (laughs) But no, uh, you know, you're talking about doing your research. And so when it came time to pick a printer, did you stay in the U.S. or North America? Did you go to Europe or did you go to Asia? We're in China with a a, uh, company called Grand Prix International. They make the Munchkin games and the CNET games and, and many others that you can see by going to their website. I don't mind sharing who we're with. They're in China and the the simple decision is we initially wanted to go U.S. for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is is um, we believed that we would get a higher quality production. We we thought we'd get faster like response time, and we thought it would be cheaper on shipping. I think only the last thing would have been true. For the cost it, it takes to try and make a game in the U.S., you can have three to four times the number of units made um, with China. And um, there are U.S. companies whose entire purpose is to manage the manufacturing that happens in Asia, but do all of the office stuff out of the U.S. And that's the way that we went. We went, um, And they have been extremely available and responsive stateside. The only real kind of like question marks and things that popped up or things that I was um, disappointed with was, I think, things that might not have been able to avoid. And one of them was the complexity of our plastic tray that holds all of our cards. We were so specific about what we wanted and that, was something they'd never done before. You'll you'll be able to see it when you crack open your box. There, all the cards are divided, labeled, and this tray is big enough to accommodate premium sleeves. And that's something I have never seen in any other deck builder before or since we made ours. So I'm very proud of, of the finished project uh, product, but it took a long time to get there and about seven or eight failed attempts um, trying to get it just because of the nature of manufacturing and won't bother going into. But the the um, ultimately we went with we went with Asia because 
we just couldn't beat the price. I wanted to do it in, in Europe after we couldn't do it in the U.S., and Europe was not much cheaper than the U.S. and involved the international shipping to get it here. So it was we were just cost-prevented from looking at other options without having to raise our goal another you know 30% uh, to manufacture it. And then with this way, we have uh, at least a little inventory to be able to uh, to sell so that the project might eventually put a dollar or two in my pocket. So you mentioned you've already been working on, you know, squirreling away ideas. Mm -hmm. Are we going to see anything else from Atrocity anytime soon? Or are you now working (laughs) on another, another project? (laughs) Totally. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I, that's, that's great. Uh, we, we have just kind of hinted and I'll make it more of a formal announcement here. So you guys have a bit of a scoop. Scoop. Uh, We initially said we were going to be doing a, um, expansion project in our original project called, um, uh, sidekicks and storylines which expands the amount of storyline cards that are in our game from just a simple like starter card called origin story and into things and concepts that we're used to from our comics that will allow you to be like a millionaire playboy or um, uh, like an experimental scientist or some of these other things that can sort of be conceptually part of your character's background that led them up to being a superhero. And um, so that's going into the game. And then we're also going to have sidekicks. So now you'll not only be able to name your character, but if you ever buy sidekick powers, you'll be able to name your sidekick as well. So you can have whatever you are, Plus, whatever you are, boy, you know, <laughs> or, or, or girl in, in the game as well. So th- that expansion is coming. It's, it was part of our original Kickstarter. We're going to have to, one of the things we learned after we spent all the money to just get the core game was that we needed more money. So we're going to be doing a second Kickstarter to raise funds for the, for the, for the expansion. And in doing so, we're also going to be releasing uh, about three different additional promo card packs that'll just be for Kickstarter backers. So we're, we're, we've learned from what uh, from our own project and from other successful projects that what people want more than anything is more of the game in their, uh, rewards. So we're trying to, we're trying to respond to that by saying, okay, you like cards, more cards, more cards, more cards. And that's what we're going to, we're going to give more of what we were going to save for later up front. So that's going to be, that's going to be coming up in the next, you know what? I better not say how soon it is because I know how soon I want it to be, but, but there's <laughs> going to be, but I have, I have Gen Con coming up and a bunch of other stuff. So there's, well, since it's just two of us and there are no minions, it's just us. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm a little reluctant to say, um, specific dates because I've been so poor on being able to live up to what my early thoughts are going to be. Are you going to have copies available for sale or is that just going to be for Kickstarter pickup? Oh, so at Gen Con, yes, we have, we're bringing in a couple hundred units. Um, as of the time of this recording, which is on August 8th, I've got about, about 60 of them spoken for. So I'm going to, whatever I don't have people picking up for, I'm going to have for sale at the con. So, uh, so I would say don't, if you're going to the con and you do not have one pre-bought and you haven't emailed me to say you're going to pick it up, then you either need to jump online and buy a, buy a copy from gamesalute.com. Um, and then email me, letting me know you want to pick it up at Gen Con, or you need to come to Gen Con and buy it early enough in the con that you don't, don't wait till Sunday is I guess what I'm saying. Come and, come and get it early before we run out. And do you know your booth number? Uh, yeah, um, uh, you know, it's funny as I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. I believe it's 1735, but I'm going to double check. But it's, um, but it's the Game Salute booth. Okay. So, um, if you go to the Game Salute booth, they're going to be selling a few dozen games, but ours is going to be the best, of course. And, <laughs> but it'll also be the most obvious because I'm buying like crazy amounts of extra stuff to make, um, 
uh, just banners and things like that to make sure you can't miss it. So we're really looking forward to meeting fans. Oh, hey, one of the most exciting things about Gen Con that we've mentioned on our on our site, but I could mention it here as well, is that we have 16 different artists who contributed to the game. Most of them coming from the film and comics industry and from the gaming industry. So we have people who did art for like Magic the Gathering and Dungeons Dragons, but we also have people who did the art for, say, Despicable Me and uh, Teen Titans. So we have a lot of very talented artists who contributed to our game, and about half of them have artist booths at Gen Con. And so we're arranging that they can autograph people's game copies while they're there. Oh, um, so that's going to be we're gonna, we're going to do autographs, and they're going to do autographs, so people will be able to walk walk away from Gen Con with a really awesome collectible. We'll have to talk again when you're ready to launch your new Kickstarter. Um, Absolutely, I I I I love talking to you guys. It's like I'm hanging out with my friends here. <laughs> Well, oh, it's like, but not yeah, quite. Not quite. We, it's like, yeah, yeah. We, we get it. We get it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're, they're more attractive, intelligent, personable. No, Holy crap. No, 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 no. He's like, <laughs> and that's he, how it's I like he's in the room. <laughs> so you, how do we delete this recording? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, no, heroes that's, that's, of metrocity. That's right. That's right. I'm there now. <laughs> that's the tough love, guys. Usually you got to pay extra. Just uh, going back to a previous part of this conversation, because I didn't want to yeah. interrupt the flow at the time. You yeah. said you actually have not played Sentinels of the Multiverse. Not yet. I would love. I would love to get. I, I've been only because I keep depleting my gaming budget every single week. Do I not have a copy yet? I think both of us here in the room will say that you definitely need to. Mm-hmm. And the problems that you kind of pointed out for Pandemic are yeah. solved in Sentinels of the Multiverse for a co-op game. Yeah. I, I, I the one thing I really like about Sentinels of the Multiverse is that I don't. Uh, and, and frankly about DC and Marvel too, is I don't feel threatened by their existence in the card superhero space because I believe our game is so different. I don't know if that's obvious to people when they're kind of maybe, maybe evaluating what game they're going to purchase in a, in a store or whatever. But I think it, it, you guys have played Heroes of Intercity or you have not got a chance to play it yet. We have not got a chance to play it yet. Okay. Well, the biggest difference you'll notice between say Sentinels Multiverse. Because you didn't know we were reviewers apparently. Ah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll tell you for anybody who owns Sentinels Multiverse. All of the people, like a large portion of the people who uh, donated to our Kickstarter and who are soon to be owners of our game are owners of Sentinels of the Multiverse. The, the main difference between the two of them is Sentinels Multiverse is pre-constructed decks for, for pre-constructed characters. And Heroes of Metro City is, is construct your own deck as you play for a character of your own design. So I, I, uh, all of the strengths of what I hear Sentinels of Multiverse is, is that each of the decks has a, like a really strong flavor. So if you're a super speed character, you draw lots and lots of cards and, and so your, your, your feel of what you're doing for that, for that character is really cool. And that they also have these neat things where they do a, like a, like a location you're playing in and a, and a scheme that the bad guy is under. So they have a lot of repl- replayability that way. And that sounds really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. Uh, but it is very different from ours in that you will, be doing all of the decision making in my game where some of the decisions about deck design have already been made for you in, in Sentinels. Well, I look forward to seeing you at Gen Con and of course picking up my copy because you should yeah. have, I should be one of those sixty emails. I think yeah. I will stop by with him and, and buy a copy if I'm there <laughs> really and if you guys and if and if you guys are interested in, in playing a game with me and James, you should uh, either buy a ticket to one of the existing demos or you should just say, hey, we did a podcast, uh, damn it. Uh, you have to play a game with us. <laughs> we so, did a podcast uh, seven days ago. You have to remember. Yeah. 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 It, yeah if, if you, if you, if you look head. at me and go, who are you again? Seriously, <laughs> we're, we're going to have issues. There may be a throwdown at the booth. Yeah. 
Well, I'm the guy that hates J.J. Abrams. Oh, oh well, no. I'm not telling you. Uh, the other thing, David, I just wanted to let you know, if you get an opportunity, we would love to have you stop by, but at the JW Hotel on Saturday okay. of Gen Con at, uh, after 9 p.m., so 9 okay. p.m. and on, us, because you said you were going to try to be there, right? So all us geeks and the Cardboard Jungle are doing kind of a press junket type thing for people to stop by and get like mini interviews if they want to. So I'd love it if you get an Sounds opportunity fantastic. to stop by and let us know how your Gen Con's going and, and how the game's doing. I certainly will if I'm able. The only thing that would prevent me is um, as if we're running demos that time. I you don't bet. think we're running them that late. Yeah. Um, so and if I and if and if I can, I'll either send James or come to myself and have him field for me so we can do that. But I, I would love I. I my favorite part of Gen Con is, is the part I've had to give up the last couple of years, which is playing a lot of games and um, hanging out with people who I wouldn't see otherwise. So any chance I get to do that while I'm there, I'm going to take advantage of it. All right. So Heroes of Metro City. Check it out at uh, Gen Con at the Game Salute booth. And uh, David, you guys go by Threesome Games, correct? That's right. That's right. right. And, the th- and the threesome is me, James, and everybody, and everybody who helped us make the game. Anything else you want to uh, let our listeners know before we sign off here? Play lots of games. Support your local local game store. They're the ones who are letting people learn about the games and show them to you. Awesome! Thanks a lot for joining us. This has been a blast. This has gone a whole. This has gone a ton of different ways, and I've enjoyed the entire ride. And it, yeah, if it didn't go a ton of different ways, I wouldn't have had as much fun. I I think the best kind of promotion for for my product is is to prove that I'm a, uh, the biggest geek in the room. All right. Well, you know, you didn't do that, but <laughs> although you have your you have your Star Wars novels, I really might have to. I really might have to give up the uh, trophy here. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what? Let's keep in touch and please come back because uh, you've been an, you've been awesome and you should come on the podcast proper and uh, geek out with us fully. I would love to. Love anytime, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. 